welcome to my art form. It's time for post-orthodoxy, a show about changing our minds. Yeah, baby. With your host, Dark and Ainsley Sevier. Maybe what they believe about reality isn't all of reality. What? I know, right? We're on a mission to have a better time with more people more often. The question is, how do you get there? Post-orthodoxy explores strongly held beliefs, how those belief systems divide or connect people, and what might be found beyond those reality bubbles. Keep calm. Don't lose your head. I've got a piece of chocolate here with me because i got anxiety about doing this. Welcome to this neighborhood, neighbor. Here we are. I'm going to start with some angry faces. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to hop up and do that thing to the camera because it keeps auto-focusing. I'll be right back. Oh, you got to Wait, do wait, I'll, we'll do the intro first. Guys, hi. No, go ahead and do that and I'll do... Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's Ainsley Sevier. That's <laughs> Dark Sevier. And we're going to do a show, but we have autofocus kind of stuck over here. So I'm going to do a little disclaimer and intro while you do the autofocus. We definitely need a disclaimer. That's that, for sure. How does that Go sound? for it. Okay. Uh, welcome to this show called Post-Orthodoxy. We have a lot of new people tuning in today. I'd like to say uh, hello to Philip Stella. She's watching today. And uh, wanted to uh, let you folks who are not familiar with the show to get familiar with the show through me right now. Um, we are basically here to introduce Reasonable Doubt. The name of the show is called Post-Orthodoxy, where we question things that apparently you're not supposed to question. Um, so that's what we do here. Um, we're not here to prescribe a course of action or a, a, a political course, a medical course. We are strictly here uh, just sharing our path of understanding some pretty um, complex stuff in a complex world. And uh, not only sharing what we're learning, but showing how we're figuring out the stuff we're figuring out. Because the big, the big thing here, the big motivation of post-orthodoxy is Dark and Ainsley and I... Dark and Ainsley and I are just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And so we'll give you our little piece of what the fuck this week. That's right. Welcome to, oh. to post-orthodoxy. Okay. All right. We just got back from being out of town and we took the camera with us. And now that we got the camera back and set up, right. some things were changed in the perp in the, uh, for the grand scheme of taking family photos at Thanksgiving. And I'm still discovering... Uh, which things, things that got switched around things that got changed oh boy still auto focusing i'm sorry i think we might just have to deal with it today i'll look it up i'll figure out how to change it i'll figure out how to change it okay uh well i think we can start with a few things there's probably a thing or two where i can go on a rant yeah you're good you're good at rants um, uh first of all thanks to everybody that's tuning yeah. in this afternoon uh whether you're watching this live watching it in the future or listening to the podcast in the future on wherever podcasts are found. We appreciate you guys. We are streaming on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook, and we're actively looking for a new live streaming platform. I've looked into some recommended platforms people shared with me, but a lot of them don't support live streaming. I would need to be mm, able to right. um, pull some code from the website in order to add it to my multi-streaming software, but we would really love to be able to stream live to a platform besides Facebook. Yeah, but we're doing it for now. Yeah, we're doing and it for now, and you're here, and that's great. Appreciate so everybody for tuning whatever in. Whatever channel you're on, hit like, hit subscribe, ding the little notifications bell, especially on Facebook, because if you don't say that post-Orthodoxy is one of your favorites, you will never see anything that we post, and we post multiple times a day. 
It's true. And you can go to our website, uh, Better Time. It's actually postorthodoxy.com. Yeah. And give us money if you want. If you like. But the free route is just support us with that social media stuff. It makes such a big difference. Share us around. Push those buttons. It really does help. I Hit I, like on the video. I always like to make fun of people when they do that on their own videos. And now I'm that person. I hate and it. I, I've had to grow to into it. it. I've so had to grow into it. It doesn't cost anything to support us that way. And every little like and every little share is is huge, especially as we are just now launching this uh oh. this world domination show. <laughs> uh we are disappointed, disappointed. In, in the media and the news that's yes. available to us. The fourth estate in the US is no longer the fourth estate. It's bought and paid for and everybody that's could true. know that. And there are a lot of people online who are creating content and doing investigative journalism uh, that are not bought and paid for by big pharma or by the government or by other private interests. Um, and we're one of those people. Russell Brand is one of those people. Joe Rogan is one of those Hold people. Hold on one second. There are people out there uh, doing investigative journalism. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and just because you're really smart in one way doesn't mean you're really smart in other ways. But when we run our own show, we have to be smart in all the ways. And we appreciate you coming along for the journey. Thank you, Beauty and Butte America and Deb Lynch for, yeah. for pointing things out to us and letting us know yeah, how it's really going. Um, yeah, we wouldn't be here without you guys. So Woo! we uh, have so many things to talk about on today's show. We yes. did a little teaser video this week, five minutes, talking about what we were going to do. Uh, because one of the friends of the show said, hey, why don't you do a teaser video so I can yep. share it around before the show so people will tune in at the show instead of him having to share stuff around live. Yes. That's why we had that whole performance piece at the beginning of that that just gives everybody time to share things around until we really get into uh. the meat of the program. <laughs> but anyway, we did this promo video about stuff that I really wanted to talk about. Yeah. But then in two days, the world changes, and now I want to talk about everything else. Well, so we're still going to talk about still cutting talk about our it. losses yeah. because that's very important. It's a concept that affects us, whether you're gambling at the slot machines at the gas station or staying in a long-term relationship even though it's not good for you or um, mm. refuse to change your mind in the face of new information we are all about changing our minds at post-orthodoxy and uh and so hope i hope you come along for the kink yeah that's it um so we have several things that i wanted to talk about one it one is a i guess it's a economic term called sunk loss fallacy go look that up right now on the internet if you want to mm -hmm. join along in the conversation and add things that we haven't uh the sunk loss fallacy is one thing one thing i wanted to talk about uh the definition of the thing matter of fact if you want to follow along you can go to darksevier.substack mm -hmm. and you can find the latest article that i published called the experts wear no clothes uh, which I published after uh, saying that we were going to talk about this on the show. This is where we cover some of the stuff. And I'm going to read you the definition of the sunk loss fallacy. This is the first definition I came across. Very good. Uh, the idea that a company or organization is more likely to continue with a project if they've already invested a lot of money, time, or effort in it, even when continuing is not the best thing to do. Ooh. So that's a business thing. That's like businesses and organizations. But I also thought that happens with people. I've been at Vegas at 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, down, depressingly down. But I'm like, maybe if I stick around, I can get back up again. That's right. sunk loss fallacy. That is. I'm just going to keep throwing good money after bad I've because I can't afford not to. Yes. I can't afford not to. That's the phrase, right? 
So the sunk loss fallacy, I thought, how interesting to apply it to individuals. And let's say maybe on the topic of um, a pandemic. <laughs> huh. That was my thought. Just a random, just a random thought that occurred to you. Yeah. It's like, mm. yeah. What if, what if, like, what if we were doubling down on investments, emotional investments, mm. cognitive investments in a story, right? Just everybody get vaxxed. If you, everybody gets the vax, the pandemic will end. You know these kinds of things, right? That that's a belief yeah. that a lot of people have. Right. If everyone would just get one of these COVID nineteen treatments, then this whole mess would be done. Then with. it would be over. Which that's, people said that to me on Facebook this week. Unfortunately, if everybody would get vaxxed. This whole thing would be over. And I'm like, where are you getting that information? If you read, like, even the Wikipedia article about coronaviruses, you would know that coronaviruses... It will never be over. Can't vaccinate away a coronavirus. No, it's here. So we, here. And we've known that for a long time. Yeah. And then we get distracted by all the, oh, my God, this variant or whatever. <laughs> um, but... It's a serious thing. People are dying. Yes. People are getting sick. I've been sick. You've been sick. A lot of our friends, we have friends sick right now with coronavirus. It's a real deal thing. And we should be taking care of ourselves, taking care of each other in the we way we can. We should be educated on how to take care of yourself because it's not just get the vaccine or stay home and be sick until you have to go to the hospital and be put on a ventilator. There's a lot of treatments preventative that you could be taking and early. preventative measures that you could be taking to yeah. take care of yourself. Before That's, it gets to that point, but yeah, you're not I, being told that. I'm completely shocked at how many of my friends don't know about vitamin D. That vitamin D is a thing that greatly reduces your risk of having a serious infection from anything. Um, Most people, a don't. lot of people, don't know that. I have friends getting sick. They they know us. Yeah, we hang out. We talk about this stuff all the time. All the time. They don't know that there's early treatments. Things when you find out that you're getting it, instead of waiting for two weeks before you go and get on a hospitalator or a hospital and, and put you on a ventilator and kill you. Gosh, you could do things to keep from going into the hospital. Mm -hmm. People are doing it. It is possible. It may not be endorsed by some of your favorite health authorities. It doesn't make anybody really any money. That's the problem. To take a bunch of vitamin D. But the minute you start getting sick, you should be taking a shit ton of vitamin D. You so, can overdose on vitamin D, so be careful. But scientists have shown that upwards of 10,000 IU vitamin D a day is not has not caused any problems. Right. Most of your vitamin bottles are going to tell you to take like 500 IU of vitamin D every other day. Okay, so We are so deficient. Today's show is sponsored <laughs> by vitamin D. Uh <laughs> Seriously, you should look into that. We don't hear about that on MSNBC no. or Fox News or any of those. It doesn't matter what, where you are in the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. If there are ads on your news, they're not talking to you about vitamin D. They're not talking to you about things you could do to no. get healthier so that you have less of a chance of getting sick. Now, we are not medical professionals. That's true. We're not giving medical advice not or at all. financial advice. This is stuff we found advice. out for ourselves. When I, I, like, I like how Arrowhead puts it when they talk about people who experiment with psychedelics. And you go on there and you say, someone who isn't me took acid acid and had this experience so i'm gonna be like i'm gonna do similar like when i take vitamin d yes i tend to take uh three to five thousand iu with food that includes a lot of fat mm. some zinc some magnesium and some vitamin k that's what you do that's what i do hmm. and then later in the day at a different time i take three to five thousand milligrams of vitamin c now, you cannot overdose on vitamin C. If your system can't metabolize it, it just pees it out. 
That's so what we do. That's what I do. Uh, we're going to come back to the subject of uh, sunk loss fallacy, but I have a nice little thing in the middle mm, that I'm going to do. Love I'm going um, to send a link in the comments to this really wonderful um, thing that I found since I started uh, getting familiar with Twitter. And it's uh, some happy bot called Thread Reader. Mm. And if you have a Twitter thread where there's a whole chain, it's really hard to share that to Facebook. Right. So, But you can share the whole thread. So um, Thread Reader allows you to export it to Facebook in a way where you can just click on it and you can read the whole link in Facebook. Because I think Facebook and Twitter don't like to talk to each other so much. <laughs> So I put a link in there to a thread reader thread. I wanted to talk about this story. A friend of the show sent me in a private message and said, hey, have you heard this story? And I said, no. So I started looking into the story. And so I created a thread in real time. Ainsley suggested I just create a real time thread. As of, you were researching. Of me trying to, uh, finding out about this story, trying to find out more about this story so that I could demonstrate to you folks how I go about figuring out what the fuck is going on? So um, you can follow along on Threadreader. You can find us on Twitter. If you're on Twitter, please uh, follow uh, Post Orthodoxy. That's us. Uh, I'm going to read this in order, the tweets that I, I put up. Um, this, is the art, this is what somebody sent me. Uh, Dr. Andreas Nowak published a video on November 23rd, 2021, exposing graphene hydroxide, not graphene oxide, in the COVID shots, the doctor was dead three days later. Huh. Is this a coincidence, hoax, or a psyop? Can we know? And this is the thread. So I, I saw references to another German whistleblower found dead. So this is obvious he's not the first German whistleblower that's wound up dead after saying things that the corporate narrative doesn't agree with right. concerning this medical issue. So I was sent a link to this really terrible a website. Uh, God, what's it called? Sons of Liberty or something like that? You can't just say it's a really terrible website. Terribly, you, the you brand. You can say it's aesthetically, the, yeah. it's not your aesthetic. I'll you, say that. <laughs> I'll be nice. Because I grew up loving websites like that. Boy, uh, it's called Sons of Liberty. Put on the full armor of God, y'all. Yeah, it's Sons of Liberty, and it says Luke 211. I don't know what Luke 211 is. Do you? Not right off the, the top, top of, of my head. head, but I bet it's probably, yeah, I'll just loot two So it says, Sons of Liberty, there's a guy with muscles and an American flag. Today and, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. Okay. And then there's like an ocean of white crosses, gravestones behind him. Um, and it's called the Sons of Liberty Media with Brandley Dean. Bradley spelled with two E's at the end. Bradley Dean. Bradley Dean is a lot of people's hero. Yeah, he's got uh, oh, 700,000 followers on mm -hmm. Facebook anyway. It's not our aesthetic, but no. it's some people's aesthetic. No, so when I look at that, I'm like, okay, I don't like this aesthetic, and I automatically want to distrust it. But they've done a service by putting a story together, so yeah. I'm going to look at the story yes. um, and see how they do it. So just, be, just because someone has an aesthetic you don't like doesn't mean that they're not telling the truth. Right. So here's here's my big beef on the aesthetic. If I share that, people will automatically call me some fundamentalist, Republican, Trump-loving, orange man lover, whatever. So... If you were to let me let me rephrase even what you just said, yeah, rephrase because we it. have an audience that spans a lot of political groups right now. Yes. So if you were to share 
this article about this scientist potentially getting murdered for sharing information about the vaccine right. from the Sons of Liberty website, a bunch of the people who you want to take in that information would right. immediately not look at it because they would assume things about the website. Because of the binary thinking in our culture, the way we've divided everything up, if it's coming from the other side, it cannot even be looked at. Yeah. That's how we got into this mess with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Trump said, hey, we should be doing this. And everybody said, he said it, so we won't. Everybody and on the so left. And so thousands and thousands of people died. Yes. Unnecessarily People because didn't need of that. Mm -hmm. And you, you can go take that to the bank. That's a real <laughs> thing that happened. Yes. So it, aesthetic matters. I don't like the aesthetic. And I know if I share it, not only are people instantly not going to look at it, but people will then cast uh, aspersions on me for even having put it in their field of view. Yeah. But this is what we do here. We look at all kinds from from like airy-fairy uh, New Age stuff mm -hmm. to deep, deep fundamentalist Christian Republican stuff to uh, radical uh, anarchic. We're all over the board. Scientific, mystic. These are things in the world. Yeah. And so we look at them. It uh, doesn't mean if we're talking about something that we are endorsing the thing that we're talking about. So uh, I go look at uh, Bradley Dean's website where I find this um, or on the Twitter thread. So I'm going to go down through the tweets. Um, this guy, quote, exposes graphene razor blades that are in the mRNA shots. Okay. So that's a lot to unpack. This is something that's just hit our news desks in the last couple of days since yeah, we put out right. our teaser on Friday evening. Now, this guy only put the video out on the 23rd of last month and was dead by the 27th. Mm -hmm. um, so he puts out this thing saying, hey, there's some stuff in the shots that you're not going to find. Uh, it's not going to show up in autopsies. It's not going to show up on a peachy dish. you got to have some mass spectrometer or something you to even find it. You have to be looking for it. it. Yeah, right, right. And this guy is like a world-leading expert in graphene, so he knows stuff. I've heard about graphene oxide. I had not heard about graphene hydroxide. What's the difference? So anyway, this guy Sounds wants to he wants to explain it. Hydro means water. Yeah, right? he, he wants to explain this. What is graphene hydroxide? What is graphene hydroxide? Very good. And he says somebody, and he gave the guy's name, and you can go Google the name and see, see this doctor, says that he discovered it in the shots. So these are things that we have not verified, but this is what this guy is claiming. Anyway, he claims it and then gets beat up and killed. A few days later. Right. He did get beat up and murdered. Well, we don't know that. Well, he, well, okay, right. It's claimed. So he does the video. Right. His widow comes out pregnant and goes, they killed my husband. In German. In German. Yes. And she says, says he was assaulted and did not survive the assault. That's what she said. She says it was a surprise attack. I haven't looked at like German obituaries to right. find out. It was a surprise attack. He was beaten and killed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when I'm looking, um... Uh, this lady claims to be the partner of the doctor uh, informing the viewers of the death. She says he was unexpectedly brutally attacked and that he did not survive the assault. There's a video to that link, um, or a link to that video. And then uh, the woman also states that, quote, it's time for action and that, quote, it's time to believe. All right, whatever, maybe translation thing. And then, quote, we have to implement his plan now. Oh, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't say what the plan is that okay. needs to be implemented, right? But <clears throat> um, uh, then he says, a, a friend of post-orthodoxy alerted me to the story. We went to that Bradley Dean site. That's where I found the two videos and extremely helpfully 
a transcription of the video. Right. Because he's speaking in German and then it's translated right. into English in subtitles. But somebody they went through the work of putting it the whole thing in text yeah. form. <clears throat> um, so this um, far-right Christian-oriented website um, introduced the death announcement video with this line. He said, here is his partner informing the public of his death, believing that he fell victim to an attack of some kind of radiological weapon since Noak mentioned this type of technology. So that's a claim right? saying that the wife claims that he was killed by a radiological weapon. Now, she did not say radiological weapon in the video that we watched. She did not say but that. But it's possible that she's posted something else somewhere else that says that. So now we already have something that could be construed for me as misinformation. So when you start saying radiological weapon, um, if you're not... That's a very specific kind of attack. It's a very specific kind of attack. And if you're not into exploring possible... The finer details of Nefarious a, intentions and the right. powers that be that might have things we don't know about, right? That's going to be like wacko conspiracy Maybe a bit stuff. of a turnoff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, radiological weapons, whatever. Yeah. And then they're going to, that's going to be another thing. So he says that in there. He doesn't need to say that. Right. So part of me wonders if, like, my first thought was, is this guy a psyop? What we're is talking this guy about, taking like, good information uh, and then pooping, like, stuff Radiological on it. weapons on it so that. So that self-respecting nobody people will look share at it. it. Right. Yeah. So these are the thoughts that I go through. I don't know Brad leading. <laughs> but it's meta, 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 meta. But he has, we have seven friends in common on Facebook. Um, what? Seven people who watch our show, actually, also like See? Bradley Dean's Facebook page. That <laughs> we were speaking about how uh, our media, the fourth estate in the U.S., mainstream media, is, is, has failed us. It's bought and paid for, and uh, we can't trust what they're saying. You have to fact check the news, and the point of the news is to be the fact check for you. You want to hope that they've done that for you. So it's important for us all to find people that we trust to get our news from. What was that great quote that you found? Oh, I found oh, it. Oh, it was so good. This um, is a sent by a friend of the show. Oh, thank you, friend of the show. So um, uh, it's important for you to find people that you trust, people that you feel to be believable, people that you haven't caught them out in a lot of lies. Right. You know, like we can catch MSNBC and Fox News out on lies all the time, but we haven't caught, uh, it's like um, Jimmy Dore, Russell Brand, this guy, Bradley Dean, I, I would bet that Bradley Dean um, probably doesn't lie. He just has a particular aesthetic, just like Jimmy Dore has a leftist He's aesthetic. He's got an agenda yeah. and a bias. He has a bias. Yeah. Yeah. He has a, a, and as long as I know what that is, yeah. I can take that information we can. and sort the bias mm -hmm. from it, right? But then, like, if I find somebody talking about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial on Rumble and they're breaking down the data, I have to go and find that video on YouTube in order to be able to share it with my leftist oh, friends. Oh, Rumble, that, uh, that far-right website? Like, it's a service, yeah. <laughs> just like YouTube is a service. All right, so we got a, a note sent by a friend of the show. Yeah. We won't say his name. Oh, we just Because a lot of people like to be incognito in their support for us, and that's fine. If you ever I send us it. a message on the side, we're not going to out you. Send the message on the side. We'll say friend of the show. Absolutely. Or enemy of the show if you don't like what we're doing. <laughs> Specify in the comments. Um, well before, this is, a, this is a thing that somebody sent. They thought of us because they, it, it, it was on their veterinary website. Yeah. Right? So it says... Um, vet, vet, veterinary like animals. Veterinarian. Okay. Yes. So this is... Um, out of context, so I'm just going to start with where he sent me. He said, well before COVID-19 made the need for trustworthy sources a matter of life and death, 
Pion, I don't know who this is, um, had been using, had been urging colleagues to find experts they could trust. In this process, he developed a colorful truism for veterinarians that is now a truism for the general public. <sighs> when I love he was, this. I love this. I love this. When he was younger and lecturing, he said he often told his listeners not to take his word for whatever he was saying, but to read the primary literature. That yeah. was, and then he says that that's was, an admirable thing. Go read the source documents. Go yeah, don't take my word for it. Go read the source. Go documents. read the thirty-five page uh, lab report for how a PCR test works on the CDC website. So he used to he used to say that, and then he says that was stupid. He said recently they didn't have time to read the primary cardiology uh, cardiology literature or whatever I was talking on. That's when I realized everybody's got to be a baby bird. If you're not an expert in the area. You've got to take most of your information pre-digested. The secret is be careful who let you who you let puke in your mouth. You've got to let you got to pick your mama birds carefully. Be careful who you let puke in your mouth, guys. Yeah. We've been talking about. We don't um, all have time to read source documents. You are. This is another uh, angle facet of the "you are what you eat" head edition. We care about what we put in our bodies. Some of us do. Maybe not so much sugar, maybe not so much blah, blah, blah. Whatever we need for our health, we make sure that we're getting good food so that we're having good health, right? That's a thing that people started doing. Also must do it with our heads. Before you start letting stuff flow into your head, because I know so many people, I was one of those people, watch CNN or MSNBC, or and I can say, well, I'm a skeptic, so I'm going to listen to what they're saying, but I know some of this is bullshit. But what I'm doing (laughs) is letting them fill my head with bullshit. right. So I started getting more picky about what I'm letting in my head. Yep. So uh, we hope to digest what we find and puke in your mouth and (laughs) puke into your head. (laughs) Halfway digested information (laughs) so that it's easier to assimilate because not everybody has time to do the research. It's a service we're providing. We want to be your mama bird. Oh, that sounds kinky. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, that's why I'm doing this post on this 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 murdered whistleblower. So this is how we get our information. So we've already covered part of this. We're going to go back into it. Hey, Chef Boyardee is in the house. All right. On Twitch, John Ivankovich on Facebook. Things are heating up. We've got people watching on YouTube. Thank you so much for sharing it around. Hit the like button. Leave an angry face on the Facebook video so we can attract uh, folks that like to be... You know, what, what is it? People that just like watching angry things. They're like, oh, people people were mad at this. I better watch it. Right. You people sh- that like to be titillated yeah. by controversial topics. But first you have to get mad. <laughs> okay, I'm going to keep pushing those angry faces. So um, would you mind going to the notes page? Absolutely. And pulling up that thread reader? Because I have yep. a link to the thread reader there. It's somewhere down at the bottom of the yep, document. Yep, yep. Pull that up so people can follow along if they want to follow along on this. This Facebook thread, because I have images. The Twitter thread. The Twitter thread, right. We know this. We know this. Uh, we'll have to play that next. <laughs> um, all right, so we covered this guy. He does this thing saying, hey, this stuff in the vaccine. Then his wife says, oi, they killed my husband. And then... Um, While awkwardly touching her baby bump the whole time. The whole time. Um, so then I'm like, okay, who's Bradley Dean? Bradley? Right? So he has some little icons on his page. So I clicked on the the Twitter because I thought maybe I'd tag him in my analysis of his analysis. Yeah. Um, but it says this account doesn't exist. Oh, so he might have gotten banned from Twitter. Yeah, he got banned from Twitter. Mm. 
So then um, I hit the Facebook link. Whatever you think about somebody's aesthetic, if they're getting banned from a mainstream platform, that's probably a good sign. Maybe I need to know what they're banned for, (laughs) having been banned. Um, (laughs) The Facebook link worked, and it said he had 763,532 people liking it, including seven of my friends. Uh, His YouTube page hasn't posted a video in two months, however, Mm. which I thought was interesting. I hope he's not Because this is posted... Because that's, this just happened late November. So right. this was posted this week. But he hasn't done any YouTube videos in a while. No YouTube videos I in two months. I bet he's on some other platform that he puts most of his videos on. Probably started moving off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, All right, I dropped a comment um, in, our, in our chat bot. Guys, let me know if you have a platform that you like besides Facebook. I know YouTube is a good place to be live. YouTube is still pretty sensory. So we'd like to find an even more alternative platform that allows us to live stream. So if you watch video content somewhere mm. else, I know, I don't think BitChute does live streaming and I don't think Rumble does live streaming. But we can chop up the microdoses of the show and throw them on we that platform. We can post them there later, yep. but if you know somewhere else you can watch live streams, that's not Facebook or YouTube, let me know. Okay, so we're at the thread reader? Yep. Are you threading around? Yep. This account doesn't exist on Twitter. Here's okay. his uh, YouTube. Hasn't posted a video in two months. Right. So let's go down to 10 of question mark. Um, so what did Dr. Nowak say in the video that was worth supposedly having him killed? Because I don't know if he's been killed. Right. Right. Um, and how did he die and who did it? I don't know how he died. We don't know who did it. So I go looking for that information because this is only a week old story. Um so number 11, he claims that Dr. Pablo Compra studied the mRNA shots for the presence of graphene oxide, but found graphene hydroxide, which are nanoscale structures that can be best described as razor blades, he says. Mm. Now, I'm taking this directly from the transcribed text in the video of him speaking in German. So we want to know why Why did he get killed? What was he talking about? So he says that. Then he says, the epithelium is extremely smooth, like a mirror, and it is cut up by these razor blades. That is why it's so dangerous. If you inject the vaccine into a vein, the razors will circulate in the blood and cut up the epithelium. Which is epithelial cells. That's, anyway, I remember that from... Long time ago, biology or whatever. So it's worth noting here that there are concerns. This is a whole other subject. There are concerns that inappropriately administered shots injecting mRNA into the blood instead of the muscle are causing a large amount of vaccine injuries. Yes. So myocarditis is one of those injuries. Myo and pericarditis. Right. So um, this is an interesting subject that is a sidebar Mm -hmm. that we're going to just briefly talk about, and we can do this another time. But the idea is that we're trying to give everybody on the world shots. Mm -hmm. So... Not everybody is a phlebotomist who's giving you your shot. And a doctor who saw all these videos on the news and TV of people getting shots was saying, I don't see anybody who is aspirating the shot. Yeah, Aspirating the shot means when you put it in, you pull back a little bit to make sure that blood doesn't come in because that means you hit a vein and this is not a intravenous medicine. You want to be putting it in the muscle. Yeah. Medicine is supposed to go into the muscle. It should not go into the blood. So if people are just giving people shots, there's the chance that they're injecting into a small vein or, or blood the vessel bloodstream of, some kind, yeah. of some kind that you don't know. And this could be the cause of a number of vaccine injuries. Yes. Some people are saying the shots are making people sick. It, maybe we, it is. Right. Maybe it isn't. But maybe the way they're doing the shots is making people sick. It could be both. 
It could be both. Anyway, so this guy is saying, here's another theory. Is he saying, this is a Russian, he calls it Russian roulette. Um, he, uh, he says, he claimed that autopsies of people who die from the shots will not reveal the cause of death. People bleed to death internally, especially the top athletes who are dropping dead have fast-flowing blood. The faster the blood flows, the more damage the razors will do. Right. That's where this I think is... about the concert in Houston where 11 people <laughs> had cardiac <laughs> arrest. 11 teenagers. Had cardiac arrest. Died of heart attacks or heart, yeah. Some kind of cardiac problem. Yes. Eight young people with cardiac raised heart rate. This is what he's saying could be. Yeah. Okay. So it might not necessarily be, may not be strictly that. the content of the shot. It might be the way the shot is administered causes it to get into your bloodstream in a way that it's not supposed to. Right. And that, uh, that when your heart rate increases, this is why we're seeing athletes and like the horrible event at the rock concert, um, or EDM music concert, whatever it was. Right. Um, Robert Edwards says nurses have long ago stopped aspirating shots. Like, well, as a standard practice, I would need to hear that from people in the field if that's right. something that they just don't do anymore because... Because apparently that's that's a problem. When my dad was giving... My dad's a doctor, so we got all our, like, childhood vaccines at home. He would just bring them home and do them at home so there's less fussing, and my mom didn't have to pack us all in the van and drive to the hospital. So um, he would... he I remember him doing that to our shots when we would get our vaccines. Aspirating. Yeah. Okay. So apparently that's a bad idea with this particular shot. To, to not, not <laughs> yeah. aspirate. Because, yeah, this guy goes on to say, you see people collapse immediately after vaccination and have a seizure. There's a lot of videos. A lot of people who watch the mainstream are not going to see that. But if you're on Twitter and you're critical at all of this story, you will see video after video of people collapsing and going into seizures after getting these shots. Um, So you'll see people collapse immediately after vaccination and have a seizure. These people had bad luck in Russian roulette. Very likely a vein was hit by the syringe. Yes, and it went directly into their bloodstream. Right to their heart. Which can cause a seizure. Right. So um, he goes on to say, the question you have to ask politicians and doctors, the question doctors should ask Pfizer is, why are these razor blades in the vaccine? Why do we have something hydroxide, graphene hydroxide? Right. Why do we have graphene hydroxide in the vaccine? Here, the doctor seems to be assigning ill intent to the agenda of the shots. So the German doctor... Chemist, doctor. The German doctor yeah. chemist yeah. who's discussing the contents of yeah. these treatments is saying, why would we have this in the shot if it were not for ill intentions? That's what he's saying. He feels as though there's no good reason to have graphene hydroxide in the shots. That's what he's saying. Okay. He goes on to say, a quote, you see the mRNA is possibly a diversion. I cannot imagine anyone will be able to give me, as a carbon specialist, a proper explanation of why these carbon razor blades are in the vaccine. Mm. It destroys the heart, all the heart attacks, all the strokes. As a doctor, you have to ask yourself, where is this coming from? Mm -hmm. Uh, After detailing his credentials, Dr. Nowak then makes a challenge to the public to challenge his claims. He says, any chemist in the chat is invited to refute me or give me another opinion. You are all invited to tell me I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, The doctor states that uh, medical doctors, health authorities, and politicians are not chemists and therefore likely have no idea what they are doing when going along with this program. He urges everyone to share the information in his video to uh, authorities. 
So what he's saying is people are like, why would all the doctors agree? How come all the doctors, are you saying all the doctors are in on a scam? No, he's saying doctors are not chemists. Yeah. Scientists are not always medical doctors. Health yeah. authorities sometimes are not even in medicine. Yeah. Like our local health authority was not even in medicine. She was not a medical professional of any kind. It was just her job to enforce medical policy. Right. So people are enforcing medical policy. Medical policy is different than medical science. Right. So he's saying, as a chemist, most doctors, health doctors, and health authorities will have no idea what is going on here. And so, therefore, cannot speak to it with any kind of authority. They can, they can have heard some things and be in agreement with the things that they have heard. This is something we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the difference between someone who is truthful and trustworthy and someone who is telling the truth. Right. Just because someone is being truthful and trustworthy does not mean they're telling the truth. You can have someone, such as your family doctor or your child's pediatrician, who is being very trustworthy and is, has done their best. They've heard the stories about the pandemic and the virus. It matches things that they know about viruses and vaccines. And they feel as though they are giving you meaningful and trustworthy advice as your pediatrician or your family doctor. That does not necessarily mean that they are telling you the truth about the virus or the truth about the COVID treatments or the truth about the death rate or the truth about hospital practices True. or the truth about how many people who are in the hospital right now sick with COVID are actually vaccinated or not. Yes. Just because your doctor is a trustworthy and intelligent and highly educated person does not mean that he has spent time after work looking into the data about what's going on globally. So that's uh, some additional information that uh, I think complements the article that um, I sent everybody a link to. It's The Expert Wears No Clothes. It's on darksevier.substack.com where I answer the question, so you think there's some giant one big conspiracy between all the doctors, all the politicians, and all the media? Mm-hmm. I answered that in that article if you're interested. Um, let's go back to the thread reader. Okay. So um, this guy basically says, here's the information. You need to ask people in charge. There's no reason to have a mandate. This seems to be of ill intent, and we need to have some answers. And then he's dead a few days later. Mm, weird. So I found a video from India. Because this only happened last week, there's not a lot of information out there just yet. So I found this a video from India. That addresses the story. Oh, is that the... It's one that has two faces on it. Okay, gotcha. Um, So that video, they mention um, another German doctor whistleblower has been killed. So that's where I got the idea. Another German doctor whistleblower. Right, not just a German whistleblower. (laughs) Another German whistleblower. And it was interesting because they give a, a badly translated in English bit of the story, but they claim his claims were about graphene oxide and not... They didn't say... Graphene hydroxide, which I okay. thought was another interesting. Like, right. If you're trying to find information and you just find this India article, right. then you hear about graphene oxide and not this graphene whole hydroxide. other thing called graphene hydroxide. Right. In that video, um, we find out that he, uh, this guy, Dr. Noack, was uh, doing a live stream in November of last year hmm. when the police raided his home in riot gear. I haven't heard more about that story, why they did it. So apparently he's been on the radar for a while, enough to raid him on camera 
There's a video of that in the Twitter thread. Wow. Um, or maybe the whole thing is a giant scam and he was just doing it for publicity and now his wife's going to set up a GoFundMe and then they're going to retire to an island and, and he's actually alive. Maybe. Or maybe they're all CIA agents just meant to to seed discontent among people and cause a social chaos so yeah. that harder things can so be locked no down. So there's no way know. that we can have a unified story about who's fucking us over. Right. I don't know if this is real or fake, yeah. but this is the story that I'm following. And so then I found another um, blogger person, uh, Claudia Stauber, uh, at Claudia underscore Stauber. You can find her on Twitter. And she had a video about what I found out about Dr. Nowak. Can you play that video? Is it possible? Yes. So ah. here's, here's a lady who was doing what I was doing. She was going around trying to figure out who this guy is, what's going on, why would they kill him. Apparently, this guy speaks at universities. He's talked on all various subjects from health, mental health, uh, uh, I mean, physical health, kinds of food you might put in your body. So this is a guy who's on a circuit of some sort who is talking perhaps alternative medicine. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, so this lady... Dr. No, uh, uh, Claudia Stauber puts together this video to show what happens when she starts trying to find out who this guy is. So when people say, oh, you think everybody's in on it? Like, how could every doctor in the world be in agreement and it not be true? I'm like, well, not every doctor in the world is in agreement. They just get murdered. They just get murdered. <laughs> apparently, some of them just get murdered, and then the, your ability to find out who they were online gets truncated. You're not allowed to know. All right, you ready? Yeah. Just, do let's, this. let's play that and see what happens. Let's make sure the audio's on everywhere. Yeah. Hi, guys. It's Claudia with Cabin Talk, and I wanted to come on briefly to talk about Dr. Nowak, Andreas Nowak, who is the one who is talking about the substance in those things that people get put into their arm. I sped so it up. Oh, good. I did a little research in um, trying to find more information about him in German, and um, the man has been talking against the establishment by the looks of it his whole life. He is very um, outspoken. He was very outspoken about the corruption in the science community and that we are being told all the wrong things. And uh, by what I can tell from watching some of his videos now that are older, and there are some, I will link a few of them. They're all in German. They'll probably come up with subtitles. Um, he was truly a brilliant researcher. And um, I want to show you what happens when I click on some of those websites. So here is this one is of the his thing. videos. And um, there is a website, wursprung.de. And that is there to get more information on where he has seminars and all that stuff. If I click on that, this comes up. If I click on that, this comes up. And if I go to visit this website anyway, even though I'm getting warned and warned and warned, this comes up. Are you sure you want to visit this website on a connection that is not private? You will have to modify your settings to allow this. So if I click on that, then I would actually have to put in the password for my entire computer. <laughs> Which I am not going to do. Which I am not willing to do. However, okay. this is what comes up, which I find highly, highly strange. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Guy says, hey, there's something nefarious going on with the shots. You should know this thing. Supposedly killed a few days later. And then supposedly. We don't know if it's connected. <laughs> now, if you're trying to find out who he is, they want the passcode to your computer. Mm. What forces are these? Who does that? So this guy's website yeah or whatever the information site is who has the authority to do all that stuff well we've 
We've had that happen before. You know, you, I know, but you go who, to, who makes that? Who says we want the passcode to your computer? Is that the, the, I've never in, seen that one. Is before. that the internet? I should try it on a not Apple. Is that the architect? Yeah. Like who? Like from the, the Matrix? Is that the government? <laughs> what? Like who? What? So anyway, the story has only been out for a few days. I'm gonna this try is it. All the research. <clears throat> do what? <clears throat> I'm gonna try it. You're gonna put your password in. I'm gonna try it while you while you. No. Yeah, you're I'm gonna, gonna invite it. the matrix in. Well, uh, no, I'm not gonna put my, my my computer doesn't have a password. Oh, it's a Chromebook. I'm just gonna try it on a different computer while you while you keep what what. So who does that? Who who does that? Who has that power? Who? How did he die? I still haven't found out how he died. I don't really fully know if he did die. I've only heard, seen a uh, a video of a sad woman saying that he died, and then a lot of stuff about it. So this is, that's what we've got so far. Whistleblower winds up dead. Now, good luck trying to find good information about him. Um, we'll keep you posted on that story as new things develop. I imagine over the next week or so, there's going to be a lot more information coming out. Uh, but that's what we found so far. Wow. I can't find the, uh, the video that she was talking about. Um, he does have a page. He has a YouTube page. That he Doctor. just started in between outing that video and getting murdered, he started his own YouTube page. Doctor Andreas Noak. Yeah. Live stream. There we go. Ush Ursprung. Doctor Andreas Noak live stream via Kanalinfo. Maybe that's just what we need to do is we need to start live streaming on YouTube. No, what? on some German site or something. Or uh, some 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 yeah, because it's hard stream to f- platform in another country. Because then the German SWAT team would have to get <laughs> in an airplane to come over and bust that's in our right, studio. That's right. That's right. It'd be hard for them. Um, mm. Not impossible, though. No. Uh, so. Elementär Wissenschaft. Yeah. Dr. Andreas Noack im Gespracht mit Joe Conrad. Okay. All right. Cool. So, um, yeah, he actually started speaking in English when he started his YouTube page. Um, but I think most of the videos on that page are going to be in German. Uh, but I think YouTube will translate, right? Mm-hmm. Or will they? Um, anyway, so that's the story I've been following. And that brings me back to the point of the show, which is the sunk cost fallacy and the idea of is it one big conspiracy? All of it. Do you really think that there's some grand conspiracy that all the doctors, scientists, politicians, and news people are in on? If you want to see my detailed analysis of that, you can find me on darksevier.substack. The expert wear no, wears no clothes. You can find the article there. And if you read the article, click the little heart at the bottom that says you read it and that you like it. Or comment, even better, comment on the article. And share it around. That doesn't cost anything. www.ersprunk.da. I went to an incognito window. Okay. Uh, oh. oh. Are you doing it right now? Yeah, it's, it doesn't say anything. Nothing? Well, .da is a is a legitimate. Yeah, that's Germany. www.ersprunk.da. Is it? It's da. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let me try and add. Da. This site can't be reached. Check if there's a typo. Mm. <sighs> Maybe they took it down. Maybe I they thought took you it down. just found this lady saying yesterday. Holy cow! No, there's going to be some scrubbing going on. That's it crazy, seems like there's some man. scrubbing going on. Wow. All right. Well, I'm gonna we, somebody needs to check in on Bradley Dean. See if he's okay. Yeah, somebody check in on Bradley Jean. Jeez. <laughs> he might not be okay. 
Mm. Mm. So let's talk about uh, this whole, what is going on? So this idea of the sunk cost fallacy of mm-hmm. throwing good money after bad, when do you walk away from the poker table? When do you walk away from a bad story? Right. At what point does the cognitive dissonance get so strong that you're like, you know what? I've been um, ostracizing a segment of the population because I bought a bunch of bullshit mm-hmm. that is easily disprovable, and now I can't deny it anymore. When does that happen? It happens at different times for different people. As the line goes, men go mad in, in mobs. And only regain sanity one by one. And slowly. Yeah, slowly one by one. So um, what we're doing here in post-Orthodoxy is we're not out there trying to change your mind. We're in here saying for all those that have, have, have seen through the, um, the bullshit, mm-hmm. uh, welcome. We've got some tea. <laughs> um, and I wanted <sighs> to talk about, I, made a, uh, I shared a tweet. Uh, war was our cash cow until it wasn't. Disease management dwarfs the military budget. The shots aren't free, and neither are you. You're paying for your own enslavement, you could know. So that's sharing and commenting on on Lindy Naughton's post where she says, in the USA, disease management, which some people call health care, um, pumps almost $6 trillion into the economy. Do you know what that means? If diseases has replaced war as the world's primary money spinner, we need... Continuing large-scale health crises to keep the economy going. Now, that's something to ponder over the T. So, Robert Edwards says many are still in the double-down strategy. A lot of double-down going on. Uh, Let me run through my post-Orthodoxy hypothesis. This is as good a moment as any. Yeah, do it. Um, We started this show with a hypothesis, my hypothesis having gotten out of a, an extremely conservative fundamentalist version of a Christian cult. It's like even even people in the group know that they're an extreme version of that group. Whoa, we sure are extreme. Yeah. <laughs> they don't think of themselves as a cult. Um, no. No. We're just really all about it. They're just the purest version <laughs> of that specific kind of Christianity. <laughs> all in. Yeah. Um, and so for me, when I, when I had to step outside of that group for my own health and well-being, um, it, it became apparent over, I, I finally coalized, co, 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 coalesced, coalesced, I coalesced this theory when we were starting post-orthodoxy about how, um, how do people change their mind? You know, how, how do you get out of a group? And for me, it's first, there's the way that you think all of reality is. You think that all of reality is the way that you think all reality is. And that's a kind of naivete that Mm. is not necessarily damaging, but it can put you in conflict with people around you who have different experiences of reality. Mm. Um, For instance, I was raised believing that all, all, all homosexual people are going to hell. That's how I was raised. That's not how I believe now. Um, That's not my, that's not my perspective on reality or my ethics anymore. But but um, that was how my church and my family and the thousands of people in that group believed and behaved, and it put them in conflict with people around them who just wanted to get married and have kids and have health care, <laughs> right. you know, and be gay. Um, but they thought that anybody who was gay was obviously in rebellion to the way things are, which is that gay is wrong and unhealthy and a choice and will send you to hell, and they're just rebelling. That was the belief system of, you know, 
the people that I grew up with. And so for me, that was reality um, until I had several conversations with several very, very patient and loving <laughs> and compassionate gay people in college and in the early days of, of my first marriage, my early 20s, um, who, who took the time to hear me out on my, what I thought reality was about gay people. And that introduced reasonable doubt that maybe all of reality isn't how I think all of reality is. And it was just like a little drip, you know, the little drip that eventually ruins your roof um, or the little drip that eventually uh, frees a major archeological find from a glacier, which is kind of what happened in my mind. So Mm. you start out in the beginning, you think all of reality is the way that you think reality is and it matches your experience. And then there's an introduction of reasonable doubt um, that makes you question the way that you think all of reality is. And maybe in that moment, you, you have this beautiful crystalline moment where you can decide whether you're going to continue to take in new information and learn stuff and open up, or if you're going to double down, like Robert Edwards, Edwards was saying, yep. you're going to double down on, on the way that you have been believing that reality is. Uh, many of my friends and loved ones continually double down, um, no matter how open-minded they get, no matter how much they might pick up swearing in their 20s, or they might watch an R-rated movie, or they might wear short shorts, they still keep saying to themselves, yes, but marriage is only between a man and a woman. Mm Mm-hmm. But marriage can only be between a man and a woman, you know, and 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 it doesn't matter how many things you experience or how much you get out into the world. Um, they haven't yet uh, gotten to the point where the reasonable doubt they're they're choosing to use energy to keep that belief system intact in the face of new information mm. rather than choosing to use energy to um, adventure off into the unknown. And that's a choice people make. Either way, you're using energy. But if you do decide to venture off into the unknown, um, one of two pathways is in front of you. One, you may jump from one strong belief system about reality into another strong belief system it's about reality. Possibly. Yeah. So now yeah. I'm an atheist. I'm not an atheist, you know, but like you might, a lot of people grew up religious and got cracked out of that reality bubble. And then you turn and fight it. And then they're like, well now, and they're still being defined by religion. They're just not religion. Many of my friends on the right. left are just not Republican. I know a lot of atheists obsessed with the idea of God. Yeah. So that's one thing you can do. Or you could decide to become more of a free agent in the universe and experience belief systems and perspectives on reality um, flowing in and in you and out of you and through you and that you are still you and you still have a meaning and you still have a, a definition of self and an existence and a value even as you experience and chew on and experiment with other belief systems and other potential views on reality maybe you dabble in witchcraft for a while or maybe you decide to research aliens or maybe you decide you know like these are you can just sort of try stuff and yeah. know that you are still safe even even though you don't, you, you no longer decide you move beyond claiming to know what's going on. Being defined by your idea of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I've moved on from claiming to know what's going on. We just had a lovely conversation with my grandma, um, where I was telling her about leaving the church as in, I stopped going to church. Um, because I didn't, (laughs) because I didn't want to feel like when I died, I wanted to know that what I was believing was my choice and not something that I was believing so that my mom would keep loving me. You were programmed. 
yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Or something that I had to do in order to keep all my friends, you know? And so coerced. she listened to yeah. all of that. And yeah. then at the end she was like, so what do you believe then? She's like, so, so when you die, have you, so have you, so then what do you, you know? And I'm like, oh, wow, that's very interesting because I, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to say, I don't know if I'm ever going to write right. down a treatise of, okay, if I have like a will, like if I ever die, people should know this is what I believed when I died. Reserve me a space in heaven section A14. Yeah. <laughs> I am, you know, like I don't, I think I'm moving Rather than moving from one belief to another belief, I think I'm moving beyond needing to know what's going on in order to exist in the universe. Agnostic-like. Yeah. Uh, John Ivankovich, professional poker players are robots. They read, study, analyze many different things. Being able to play poker is only about 50% of the game. Many people don't like the professional poker player because they are the best player at the table. More times than not, they are the only ones who know when to walk away. Mm. You got to get analytical, guys. So I was talking about that if you're not a professional poker player where you're at the table and you're too deep and you can't bear to walk away, so you keep going deeper. Which is bad, you know, it's bad. In the hopes that one day you'll save yourself. That's a bad poker player. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think what John is saying is more aligned with where I want to be. Yeah. In in the game of this belief system. It's about becoming emotionally detached. Like this story of the COVID thing, new information has come in and I still know people that are living in the reality of the spring of 2020. Mm. There are people who have been branded with phases of the pandemic narrative. And they're stuck in that phase. Like there are people who think that when they get the shot, they will not get sick or transmit. They still believe that. Yes. There are some people that think that if everybody gets shot with a leaky vaccine that doesn't keep you from spreading (laughs) or getting that it will be over, which is a. That is That's a, a reality bubble. Makes me blink a lot when I think about it. And there are people who believe that there isn't a new virus at all, and that what we've been experiencing over the last two years has been a propaganda media storm designed to destabilize the population from taking control back from the oligarchs. There are some people that think that um, the new you variant like is scary. Yeah. Omicron. It's scary, it right? Sounds like a bad transformer. And they don't seem to understand that this virus does not seem to be operating very much differently than other coronaviruses. Any differently in than other. that they mutate. <laughs> yeah. And so- the mutations are more virulent, scary, and also less deadly, not scary. <laughs> so let's just leave the not scary part off cuz that's not going to sell freedoms. Yeah. It's not behaving differently than what we know coronaviruses to do. So I know I know a ton of people that didn't know that corona like they didn't know that coronaviruses have been on the planet for a long time. That a cold is a coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. Like there were a lot of people that did not know that the seasonal, the regular seasonal cold, which comes and goes in severity, is is caused by coronaviruses and rhinoviruses. I heard a story. I well, I didn't hear it. I read it somewhere, and I haven't really gone back to back it up. But from what I understand from this story, and somebody can confirm or deny this, please, this is why we have a conversation and not a straight broadcast, mm-hmm. um, is that the the Russian flu, which was a horrible flu that killed millions of people back in like, I don't know. How did I not hear about this? 19 old times sometime. Everybody always talks about the Spanish flu. Maybe it was 18 old times sometime. But um, <laughs> just look it up. Russian flu came in. Terrible 
predictable results. Novel virus comes in, lots of people die. Uh, from what I understand, the current thing that we call the common cold might have be the like petered out version of the Russian flu. Isn't that an interesting idea? So, like, you get a common cold, nobody cares. It's like, just don't sneeze on me. Come to work anyway. We need you at the front. <laughs> you won't care about right. colds, right? But that was apparently, maybe, from what I heard, please confirm or deny, the Russian flu, which was deadly because it was... At the time. At the time, it was, it was new. deadly novel virus. So this is a deadly novel virus, but we know how to deal with it. We know how to do early treatments. We know how to do preventative stuff. We know who's at risk. We figured that out. I, people are still saying, but we just don't know so much about this. I'm like, well, we know enough that it's no longer an emergency. I'm doing the thing. Yeah. I, f- I found the usprunk.de link. Oh, God. <laughs> our uh, connection is not first, private. First page was, are you sure you want to leave YouTube? When is our connection ever private? Yeah. <laughs> I think they mean there might be something in the connection that could potentially get into my computer rather than that's so what they mean by private. Threat. It's a threat. Advanced. The server could not prove that it is what it says it is. It'd be a shame if something happened to your computer if you clicked on this. <laughs> okay, I'm going to proceed. Unsafe. Okay. Oh. What happened? This domain has been mapped to Squarespace, but it has not yet been claimed by a website. So they doinked it. Yeah. That sucks. They didn't make you type in your password or anything. No. But they got your number now. <laughs> Who's looking for this website? That could be just a fake website saying that it's not a website, and then they're t- taking all the information who wanted to know where this website was. And then those guys come in in flag jackets from Germany all over the world. <laughs> it's, a big, it's a big Nazi plot. You're funny, man. All right. Um, Did you just say it's a Nazi plot? Yeah. This is the Nazis all over. Hey, let's play that. Let's play that guy. What guy? Uh, oh, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Oh it's a good gosh. segue to uh, this guy. Speaking of speaking of things you're not allowed to say, which is what post orthodoxy does all the time. Yeah. Um, things that we're not allowed to say is that the current sociological and government behaviors are very similar to the early days of the Holocaust. There's some parallels. Which if you say that, you're basically an anti-Semite. And here's why. Because they had such a bad time. The Jews had such a bad time during the Holocaust. This is accurate. um, That (laughs) they did have a bad time. I'm not lying. Um, That that nothing can ever be compared to the bad time that the Jews had. You're never, ever, ever allowed to compare... And what was the early thing in there? I guess the early thing was like uh, Jews are dirty and they spread disease and they're also the Illuminati and run the banks. Yeah. So they're, <laughs> but everything poor people hate. I is guess. it, I st- is, is it still, is it anti-Semitic if a Semitic person says it? Don't be, don't the evil government. That's what's concerning me. It's the stupidity of people is what's concerning me. The fact that the government is evil. I know that. The fact that we are controlled by evil psychopaths, we know that. We know Nothing this. Changed. <laughs> Nothing changed. What has changed? The fact that people comply, that's a cause for concern. Did somebody remix you know this why? music? Because these are the people who are going to go after you at some point. Not the government. The Nazis said we're not going to do another Holocaust. 
the same way. We're going to do it on the Holocaust. We are in the Holocaust. But not the same way that it was brutal and forced. You're going to voluntarily go into the gas chamber. Like you see these long lines in Tel Aviv, people are just waiting in line. 5,000 people are waiting in line to get vaccinated. They're not even forced, there's no dogs, there's no, no SS officers. So the Nazis became more... Uh, That's awesome. I love it with the beats underneath. Yeah. The fact anyway, that the government is corrupt, we know this. Every time I read a headline <laughs> that, that I'm reading about coronavirus, I'm like, we know this. We know this. <laughs> <laughs> like, so is it anti-Semitism if the rabbi says we are absolutely doing another Holocaust? Yes. Just like even if you've had the vaccine and you're against mandates, you're an anti-vaxxer. That's science. <laughs> That's intelligence. <laughs> Now, we have good. not yet gotten to the level of suffering in the U.S. that the Jews experienced at the height of the Holocaust when they were being shoved into gas chambers. However, Ooh, other, other countries have gotten very, very, very close. Yes, the gentleman in the blue hoodie. Okay, go down uh, to the <laughs> notes page um, and play the short clip. Haley Hodgson, 26, has just been released from a 14-day detention at the Howard Springs Quarantine Facility in Australia. If you don't know what's going on in Australia, they have COVID concentration camps. Your experience of the pandemic is not everyone's experience. No, of the they pandemic. have concentration camps, and they're doing they're off, they're going out and pressuring Aboriginal people to get the shots. And if they don't Can get the shots, uh, they're sorry. starting to take people. Um, who might be close contacts to concentration camps. Um, and they're doing it to lots of people. So there's a longer interview. I'll, I'll post the clip while we're watching this. There's a longer interview. It's about a 20-minute uh, interview on one of my new sort of platforms that I'm starting to trust to give me information, Unheard, mm. uh, U-N-H-E-R-D, Unheard. They have some interesting programming going on these days around I like that. this narrative. I like getting outside the herd. Yep. And so you can uh, find them on YouTube. We're going to play a Twitter link of this lady talking about how she got picked up um, and sent to a concentration camp in Australia like two weeks ago. Um, I just waited for someone to come and test me. No one came to test me. The next people who rocked up at my house were two other police officers. They blocked my so driveway. These are, these are actually uniformed police officers, normal yeah. police officers. So then the police officers blocked my driveway. I walked out and I said, what's going on? Are you guys testing me for COVID? What's happening? They said, no, you're getting taken away and you have no choice. You're going to Howard Springs. Um, you either come with us now um, and we'll put you in the back of the Divi van. So, or you can have a choice to get a COVID cab. So, of course, I chose the COVID cab because they said, well, if we're to take you, we're going to um, hand you a $5,000 fine. So, of course, I didn't want that to happen. So I just said, look, I don't consent to this. I don't I don't understand why I can't just self-isolate at home like a lot of other people are doing. Um, and they just said, we've just been told from higher up where to take you, and that's all that there is. Robert Edwards says that won't happen here because we have guns. Okay. I don't know if that's true. So, like, it's not. It's it's going to be. Um, well, hold on. Let's just. Yes, thank you for the comment. No, I'm really curious because a lot of people have that opinion. I think there may be something to it, but I think we're operating on a very different psych 
campaign on this trip. It's not so much about the military is going to come and make you get a shot. It's going to be a weird... It's what's happening right now where you're becoming a pariah for not participating in the narrative. Well, so like... It's going to be, it's going to be your neighbors turning on you economically. Yeah. It's going to be... Then, like, like there, are, there are people in Canada right now who have chosen not to get vaxxed mm-hmm. and now they cannot go to the grocery store and buy food. I feel like it's going to be sneakier. Like, I love the idea that... So when, you're going to go to the grocery kid, store with guns? Yeah. What are you going to do? When I was a kid and I grew up homeschooled, my mom would regularly sit down with all seven of us children and talk us through what to say if a stranger ever came to the door in case it was CPS. Because sometimes when we were homeschooling in the, in the 90s, people were so weirded out by the idea of children being at home on a weekday that they would call CPS on their neighbors as if that was cause for concern because they hadn't heard of homeschooling, even though kids at home during the day, what they must be being abused. Now, (laughs) if you want to watch something interesting, there's a special on TV right now called hell hope and Justin Bieber. And it's about a family of 13 in middle America, whose parents were keeping them locked at home with no food and no education. And they, and they like found a way to get out and call the police. So that's what that's what like well-meaning neighbors would do in the '90s because that's what they imagine is that anybody right. that's not doing normal school must be locking their kids in a closet. Right, right. And and that's not necessarily true. There, it happens, but <laughs> but it wasn't happening to my family. Right. So we had we had and there were very loving families who were homeschooling their kids in Germany where the German CPS would come and take their children and there was no abuse. It was just that you were not allowed to teach your own children at home at all in Germany it was illegal. So like people should have these rights and these rights should be monitored so that children are not, not abused. But so we had to practice dealing with sneaky people who might come to our house when our mom was out grocery shopping and I was babysitting and what would we say and did we have to let someone in the door if it was an adult? Did we have to let an adult no you do not have to let an adult in no matter what they say. Right. Things like that, you know. Like if they ask you if your mom's at home, tell them you're on she's on a phone call and she can't talk to you right now. Things like that. Right. Um and, and so I imagine that there's going to be sneaky stuff. It's not Imagine. Good. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I love the idea that because we have guns, because my dad has guns, nobody can come and take my siblings to a concentration camp. Mm. But it's not going to be like that. It's going to be like my sister goes in for a gynecological exam because she's a teenager and her doctor asks her to wait a minute and then a specialist comes in and the specialist is like the CP, the like the Child Protective Services version of coronavirus police. <laughs> right. And that person gets my sister because she's in a safe environment where she should be safe with her gynecologist. Mm. That person gets my sister to admit that she has or has not taken one of the COVID treatments and then they continually detain her in a situation where she didn't, get to choose to be there. You know, it's going to be right. somebody coming to my family's house. You know, it's, it's a like, Milgram experiment where yeah. the doctors say, well, not, you know, it's one thing to not go do it. If you're there and there's somebody with a lab coat and they say, we're doing this. You're yeah. like, right. It, like I can, I know if, if armed guards show up at my father's house in Virginia, yeah, it's going to be a different story. Yeah. But I don't think they're going to do that in America because they also know that you have guns. There's other pressures like taking your job through a mandate or, Social pressures, uh, making you a pariah socially, um, banning you from an entire community. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's ways to um, slow 
twist the screws mm-hmm. that are far more effective and they're cheap because you get your neighbors to do it to you. Dark asked me the other day if I thought we were going to be having concentration camps in the U.S. like there are in Australia, and I don't think we will. I don't think we'll have camps where you are forced to go away somewhere else while you're sick. I don't think we're going to get that far in the U.S., but uh, we, I don't think we, it's because my dad has guns. We might have them where they start giving you a payment to, you know... Mm. Where it would be a voluntary, they would just go they're and gonna spend use time there. Other in, the, in the isolation. Yes. They're going to use other psychological pressures in the Like US. the guy saying, you know, people are lining up 5,000 in line to go get the shots. You know, if they sell it right, people right. Will, will, will actually take an Uber <laughs> to the concentration camp. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's pretty good. They got a pretty good narrative going on. I mean, there's so much absurdity that we've just been talking about for the entire pandemic mm-hmm. that um, just gets under the bridge. And then, oh, variant. Well, whatever, and I don't think. Know. I don't think people like Robert Edwards or John Ivankovich will get scooped. No. But, you know, you can fill a lot of concentration camps with the people that vote blue in this country. I think the concentration camps... I'm not saying camps- that we should do that. I'm saying those would be the people who would, like, willingly get in a van to go sit in a tiny room while they're sick for two weeks. Yeah. Even though we know that... Away in- from everybody that would like to take care of Anxiety you. Yeah. is the number two comorbidity right. for COVID deaths right now. Just go put yourself in an extremely unnatural and anxiety-inducing situation to Oy. get better. I'm going to click. I'm going to send a link okay. to the full 20-minute interview with that lady and her whole ordeal mm. at the concentration camp in Australia. It's something. It's something to That's talk about. I think a lot of people here are like, oh, that'll never happen. Also, last year, they didn't think that we would have a two-tiered society where we were demonizing the, the, the heroes mm-hmm. who were we were calling heroes at the hospital. Now we're calling them unscientific hacks that are prolonging the, the, the pandemic. Nobody saw that coming last year. Right. Where we would... I thought we were always going to have billboards Turn the with heroes like into zeros immediately. Nurses with Superman capes on. Yeah, we'll do that for a few months, then suddenly fuck those bitches. But if they change their minds... Yeah. Changing your mind is dangerous. No, and they don't. They didn't change their minds. They they were there. They were exposed. They got exposure. They understand how it works. They're yeah. like, I'm not getting the shot because I understand how this works. And then they're being, being called luddites, <laughs> you know, like Trump supporting uh, anti science people. On any platform you are on, you can follow the hashtag Hero to Zero uh, and read stories from people. Yeah, this like every doctor is in. No, 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 no. no. Every doctor Who that you see to, on baby? corporate media. Yeah, right. Do you want to play a video? I think it's one of those things that I want to throw into the mix because this is one of those absurdities that's been going on since yeah, where is it? early. So it's right above, we know this. <laughs> it's uh, the PCR pandemic. <laughs> um, we know this. That's like, I, I can't, every time I watch that video, I can't help but see it as Krusty the Clown's dad saying it. For oh some my reason. goodness. Um, Are you serious? Yeah. So. Uh, this video is a really nicely produced, it's, it looks like nice. Like, it should be like a training video when you go get a job or something, like introduction to whatever. Um, We've been talking about this for a year and a half, and now it's nice to have somebody put graphics and a nice um, non-threatening voice to to the narrative. Yeah. Because if uh, we keep hearing about cases, oh, my God, cases. Well, what are cases? When they say that there's like 400 cases found last week in Montana. What is a case? Is that 400 people who are sick with Mm. COVID-19? Or is that 400 people that produced a positive PCR test? Which can be used as a scare tactic 
when you do not understand how viruses and bacteria interact with the human biome. So cases... We have like, a lot of miseducation and lack of education. A lot of people are cases, and those cases are people that are serving the function of herd immunity. They're getting the virus asymptomatically, yeah. probably didn't spread it around, That's so they normal. didn't produce a lot of viral. They're helping in the whole herd mm-hmm. immunity thing, but they may produce a positive test and never get sick. Yeah. And then we're like, oh, my God, a healthy person has a test that says he's got a virus but still healthy. They don't do Again, that part. miseducation. So let's play this piece. So this is a really nice one-on-one on the PCR test. We can have a discussion after if you want. The PCR test. Just how reliable is it? SARS-CoV-2, like many other viruses, contains genetic material called RNA. RNA fragments are so small, they're difficult to detect. The PCR test doubles the fragments in what are called cycle thresholds and keeps doubling them until they have enough genetic material to identify. Most labs go up to 38 or 40 cycles, which means an amplification of one trillion times. But is that too much amplification? (laughs) Because while live virus is present in people who are actually sick, traces of dead virus are present in people who used to be sick, Mm. even months later. Or in people who were exposed to a virus, but their body cleared it and they never got sick at all. They're not infectious. Genuinely sick people get a positive test in relatively few cycles because they have a high viral load. But the samples of people who are recovered or exposed have to be magnified billions of times to get a positive result. That's why scientists are recommending not testing over 30 cycle thresholds. So what would happen to case numbers if labs cut back to 30? At one New York lab, it resulted in a 63% case reduction. Mm. When a Massachusetts lab did the same, almost 90% of their cases disappeared. And that's not the only way that PCR tests can go wrong. They can also (laughs) misidentify remnants from the other six human coronavirus types as SARS-CoV-2. And in fact, if you're testing in a population that doesn't have very much COVID, you'll get false positives almost half the time. The person actually doesn't have COVID, they have something else, they may have nothing. In 2007, PCR tests caused a pseudo-epidemic for whooping cough at a hospital in New Hampshire. 100% of the results were false positives. Because if you can amplify one single molecule up to to something that you can really measure, which PCR can do, then there's just very few molecules that you don't have at least one single one of them in your body. This is a delicate test that's supposed to be done by highly skilled technicians in a sterile lab, yet it's currently being done on a massive, expedited scale with hastily trained technicians working on huge numbers of tests. So the next time you see case numbers, ask yourself how many of them aren't cases at all. Oh, my God. It's beautiful. Be afraid. <laughs> that's like... There's a case. That's everything that we were saying Look all that. last year. Look, that guy over there is a case. That's what we were saying. Get him. Because I did read both 35-page lab papers on the CDC website for yeah. the multiplex assay and the PCR test. And we do understand how viruses work in the body. WHO recommended a (sighs) cycle of 45. Shut up. At the beginning of the pandemic, they were recommending a cycle of 45. God, if you go looking, you can find article after article after article of people who were like, if we cycle the tests correctly, it kind of looks like we don't have a pandemic. Yeah. Obviously, people are getting sick, and obviously, people are dying, and there are a lot of different factors at play, but we could have a much more coalesced picture of what's going on than what we're being told. Yeah, when you hear, look at all these cases, that doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't tell you anything. And we know why the people who died, die. Yeah. 
and we could be taking care of each other and protecting each other. And we're not doing that because we're not being educated. We're just being told it's everywhere and just wear a mask. So Robert Edwards says, when I had my first test early COVID, they did 45 cycles. This is the WHO recommendation. Mm. Two weeks ago, when I needed to take a test to get on an airplane in Mexico, 25 cycles. Yes. They That's dropped a- the cycle limit when Biden was elected president. It's Officially. True. Yeah. They you- dropped it by like 20 points or something. Yeah. And then suddenly Biden saved America <laughs> from COVID for like a month or two. <laughs> Every time I've gotten so just many, long enough to roll out the vaccine. I've gotten so many PCR tests, man. I've gotten so many PCR tests from working in film. We have to do it like three times a week, sometimes more, um, if there's like a close contact or whatever. And every time I would ask the lab technicians, like, "What lab are you sending this to? And how many times do the do, do they cycle it?" And one, the lab technicians never knew. The people doing the test didn't know how the test was going to be read. Or, or 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 cycled or read and and two i was never able to get a hold of anybody at any of the labs that my pcr tests were being sent to to ask them how many times they cycled their pcr tests mm. but i only ever got a positive one when i was actually really sick i thought that would be a good racket if you're a film you know company yeah and you got to do a thing yep then you make a deal with the pcr company to make sure that the threshold the lab. of the rotations mm-hmm. Make sure that we don't have any cases. Right. Yeah. Unless someone's actually sick, which right. would pull a positive. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, stupid. That's maybe, yeah. I don't know why we're not doing antigen tests. Why are we not doing that? I have a secret question to ask you in uh, the final 30 minutes of our show. Secret question. Yeah. Wow, in been... Mexico, they put it on the paperwork how many times they were cycling it. That's awesome. They weren't doing it over here. No, no, no. Oh. Um, are you ready for this? Okay. I I don't know if I am, but you ask away. So we just spent the last week in Virginia with my family who vote Republican and are conservative evangelical Christians. Yep. Um, and in general, it was really fun because we were able to bond over our shared disillusionment with the COVID narrative. With a, with a, a, a poor story. Yeah. It's like the first time in my life my mother and I have ever agreed on anything. Not even crafted well at all. No. Not. no. Um, and um, half of my family is in the medical profession and are able to see right through all of the bullshit spin that's being put on the story. A lot of plot holes. A lot of plot holes when you're a person that actually works in medicine um, and doesn't just blindly trust the government. So uh, one thing that kept coming up and dark and I would just not engage because it was so nice to just be getting along with my right. family is, um, anytime anything racial would come up, my, some member of my family would be like, well, but you know, it, it's really the left that's perpetuating racial divides in this country. Mm. Yeah. And I was wondering what you think about that is the left or the right perpetuating racism in this country more right now. Okay, so this and was it's a very complex question, so think complex. I'm, I'm gonna just I'm gonna just walk into it. Orient I'm gonna let me get, say it say it one more time. I'm gonna wander through and familiarize myself with this question. Are people on the left or people on the right perpetuating racism in this country more? Okay. And I'm gonna want to know what you think what you think I mean when I say racism? Having be be, be having being amba politicalus 
what a, tra- having a transcendent political perspective. Having grown up one way and went the other way and then jumped off the train altogether. Having, <laughs> having experienced both left and right realities right. in an immersion. Yes. And now having a transcendent perspective so I can sort of unemotionally look at the landscape of both. Okay. Um, a topic of our show last week was the sort of... There's been a talk of a magnetic pole shift in the United States. Oh, yeah. Where suddenly the thing goes, wah, and the world gets out of whack for a while. (laughs) I think that happened politically. There was a weird pole shift where suddenly the left did just flip into full-on fascism, fascist, like, groupthink. Um, Shockingly so. And it's not hard to go back and look at the conditions that led up to it, Oof. you know, like uh, Patty Hearst type conditions of the mm-hmm. Democratic Party terrifying them uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then telling them that they're their only savior at the same time. Um, I feel like there's definitely been, uh, we've talked about this before. There's a really great documentary that I highly recommend called Hyper Normalization. It was produced in 2016. And in hypernormalization, this is an Adam Curtis film. I highly recommend it. This was produced before Trump became president. And it is a look at Vladimir Putin and uh, his PR guy in his cabinet who was from avant-garde theater and use aspects of avant-garde theater to help Putin perceptually destabilize uh, the population so that they give up on trying to figure out what is going on. Mm. And the way they would do it is they would notice that there's a trend for some anti-gayness over there. And so anti-gay. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. so they have news reports about, Ooh, look at this movement that's happening over here. And people are like, Oh my God, we can't have that movement. So you can't have you, any anti-gay. Then you have to have the anti anti-gay people. Right. And then you got to give them some time. And then as they build, you got to have like, you need to make it build. Right. So the government actually starts funding both groups in order to escalate a battle. Yeah. So that people have to pick a side. What kind of asshole doesn't pick a side in that fight? Yeah. Either you don't love God or... Or you don't or, love your neighbor. Right, right. So you, you can't be on the fence of that one. You, you know, wishy-washy, yeah. you know. So you have to take a side. And then they do it over and over and over with, like, race. They do it with religion. They do it with um, these various little... Whatever whatever wedge. Uh, vax, anti-vax. Whatever you have to start separating people. And then the government sort of lets it known that they've been funding all the various things. And then the population feels like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm just not going to get involved in any of this shit anymore and right. take care of my own stuff. And then they get to, you know, run the country, take all the money. So in that documentary by Adam Curtis, he has that story happening in Russia. And then he shows Trump's appeal here. And he was sort of laying it out in a... Um, in the 90s, right? 80s, 90s? No, this, is, this was put out in 2016. Okay, leading up to the election. But it follows the rise of like Putin's destabilization of Russia. Mm-hmm. And then there's this guy Trump coming in. And whether he was doing it on purpose or not. And whether not. he's doing it, I think Mercer, like, there's, there's people that have money and power behind Trump. Trump is a, is a you know, he's just, he's a player he's a, on the stage yes. for sure. He's a compelling character. Yes. Right. 
So I don't think he's the mastermind. No. I feel like there are definitely masterminds, but what I don't think watching? this is the hypernormalization trailer. Oh, right. So um, he calls it out. He calls out everything that's going to happen. Once Trump comes in, it's like you either have to be pro-Trump or anti-Trump and not just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then you have to start whatever he says, you have to then be opposed to that thing. If you're a good liberal, it doesn't matter what he says. You have to be opposed to it. Right. So it created this wedge. It was, it was, the, it was like uh, Putin had to have been jealous <laughs> watching the way that strategy played out in the United States. And so what does that have to do with whether or not the left or the right is perpetuating racism more in the country right now? I think it's a, I think it's a person to person. I don't think there's, there's a lot of, there's benign racism and then there's malignant racism. There's some people who are virulently racist and have a, like despise another race. Mm. I think it's a very, very, very few. Uh, I think when polled, they said maybe 6% of people in this country would qualify as being Racist, as in after someone filling out someone that thinks badly about someone that looks differently than them. Malignant racism. Yes. So they said it's like six percent, which is a big number. It's a big number, but it's, it's not. It's not half. It's the not country. half the country is racist. It's not all of Trump supporters. We talked about this a lot with Mokai, yeah. with our friend Mokai from South Africa, because he did not have an African American experience growing up. He 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 would he came to the U.S. and he was black, and people treated him. They they sort of not kowtowed because that's racially insensitive, culturally insensitive. Also, they would um, China virus. They would be very nice to Mokai. Um. And be very careful not to say anything racially charged. And they would be very, you know, like they deferred to him racially. Our white liberal friends would defer right. to Mokai right. racially. And he wouldn't understand what they were doing because, <laughs> he did, because he didn't experience being treated differently in that way for being black. His experience growing up in South Africa was that the black people in South Africa were the indigenous people like the Native Americans. And they were treated by the British the, uh, like they had a very recent experience of colonization. Like what we did, what, like what our European ancestors did to the Native Americans and the indigenous people in this country a few hundred years ago. So he, they experienced that very recently is like the white people moving in and that was their experience. They didn't experience this, whole, yeah, the slavery thing. They I, weren't slaves. I got to spend three months watching well-meaning liberals talk to my African friend as though he was an African-American. Yeah. It was and very, watching yeah. the confusion and, and the sort of really kind of like Jesus, like moments of like, they would play some hip hop music and like, Hey, we're playing. And they're like, oh, we don't know who this is. Yeah. You know? And then they're like, and then they start naming off names of their artists that are not hip hop from South Africa. As of course you will know these guys and watching them go like, right. We right. Don't, Just cause you're black. You're not mean from you, New York. No. Right. No. So, so <laughs> we, when we did copacetic conversations with Mokai um, and many of the people that tune into post-orthodoxy were um, our lovely guests on copacetic conversations, we had, uh, productive conversations about difficult subjects. And we came upon the concept with Mokai of benign racism versus malignant racism. Mm. Um, and what Dark is talking about is, as at least in the U.S. in this recent poll, if we're talking about racist, as in someone who thinks of themselves as better than a Mexican right. or as better than a black person uh -huh. because they're white, 
or thinks that all black people are lazy or thinks that all Mexicans are rapists. Those are racist thoughts. Right. That only happens 6% of the time. That's malignant racism. That's that's poisonous. Well, they're saying 6% of the population would fit that category. Would fit that category. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. And then there's benign racism, which is somebody that never met anybody who wasn't white. Or doesn't doesn't have strong feelings about another race, but also... Doesn't have strong feelings about anti-racism. It may not be sensitive yeah. to whatever the tropes are. And it's like well-meaning liberals often shunning... Well-meaning well conservatives. Well-meaning conservatives who are not racist, mm-hmm. but because they misspoke, because the political correctness yeah. travels so fast, they're not yeah. up with it, then they're like, you hate people. And then... Just because a conservative calls that, somebody a black person instead of an African-American doesn't mean that they're a racist. That drives the wedge. Yeah. I think it's been uh, white guilt, this sort of culture of creating... in the Creating the awareness that modern white America is built on the backs of of our brothers and sisters yeah, and stolen from our other brothers and sisters. That's an awareness that we should have. And that is currently being fed by the slaves of another group of folk. Yeah. You know, like our prison system is slavery coming to that realization. How do you deal with that? Right. So and if how you can, do you healthfully deal with that psychically? If you can be brought to that realization in a compassionate and educational way. My friends on the right, I grew up super conservative. We're big into justice, restitution, forgiveness, mm. um, remediation, mm. like the right, the conservative right, the Christian Christians, especially like if there has been a wrongdoing, you fess up and right. you make it right. You get straight. That's what we're doing and it doesn't always look how it's supposed to look. Right. If I could just speak to the people on the right that feel like the left is driving division right. by constantly talking about racism. Right. What the left in general feels as though they are trying to do is to make restitution for the shit show of building this country on the backs of slaves, having stolen it from other people. Right. And the awareness that that was done is new. Like... The 1960s was not that long ago. People being able to pee in the same bathroom Mm. as a white person was not that long ago. When was, like, the first black superhero on television was not that long ago. Imagine spending your entire life growing up and never having a superhero that looks like you. I think so. Like, like these, these awarenesses that there's an inequality in the country is new, and so the restitution is new, and a lot of people are rabid to make restitution, and it makes it look a little distasteful to folks that have just kind of been rolling with the story right. or were never made aware of how much suffering this country was built on. It's, it's not in their worldview to even be affected by it. So yeah. um, I feel like uh, the breakdown, this is, this is that hyper-normalization. This is the perceptual destabilization of people because we've divided up the, the, the citizens of the country so much that we cannot be unified on our leadership. Yeah. Um, and if a country, if the United States, if the president were to come forward and say, we have to acknowledge what we did and then maybe pay some restitution. Yeah. Um, have it looked at with equity mm-hmm. of like, okay, how do you, how do you, you can't undo it. We cannot undo the, but the how US, do you acknowledge yeah. what you, what occurred? Mm-hmm. Because 
you know, it's like, I understand the perspective of like, I've never been mean to a black person. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you encountered an easier go of it Mm -hmm. because of the culture that your folks created. Yeah. So you had an easier go. They had a harder go. Mm -hmm. So there is some feeling of not acknowledgement of that. The it's not pe- even that you that you have to correct it. You just yeah. have to acknowledge the people that. that enslaved our black brothers and sisters are not alive anymore, right? To make restitution. Well, some are with the prison system and all that business. But that's yeah. that's going that's down a rabbit story. hole. You know, yeah. that's like yeah. that's a rabbit hole of corruption right there. But but if we're talking about the fact that the black people, most of the black people who are in the U.S. are here because they were stolen from their homes and enslaved that's a deep if you've ever thought about how how your grandpa grew up affects how you are like how your grandpa grew up affected how he treated your dad which affected how your dad treats you that's a generational that's a generational issue and there are people alive today whose grandparents were slaves who who were born into captivity and treated as less than as animals and that that that's that's still existing in our country that 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 generational impacts the people that did that are not alive to make restitution but we are so there's a growing awareness of like hey i am feeling my privilege so then it would be nice if somebody who was larger than me that represented me mm-hmm. i.e. uh the nation yeah Say, you know what? We screwed up. Kind of fucked up how America started. We did get some benefit off the backs of your ancestors, and it wasn't that long ago. So let's see if we can make things right or at least acknowledge the wrongdoing. Yeah. I mean, that's what, like, there are relationships that we're in where you may not ever feel like you'll ever get equal with some disagreement you have with somebody. But if there is even the acknowledgement that that person that says, That makes a huge you difference. You know what? Yeah. Just to hear someone say, you know what? We fucked up. We fucked up. Yeah. And Someone fucked we up. We need to acknowledge that it was fucked up. Yeah. We need to acknowledge that it was fucked up and that it does have an effect. And for an institution to do that, that takes mm-hmm. the pressure off of the citizens to be police. Yeah, on each other. On each other. Which never works out very well. And that's what's happening. The left have sort of become the v- race police. Like race, racial vigilantes. Right? For all the right reasons. Yeah. Um, but it's not playing out so good. So I, I think that the right... It doesn't always look like beautiful restitution from the outside. Right. I think it's not as neatly divided into left and right as we would like to think. No. But I think that it is a trope of the woke. Unfortunately, the word woke, whenever I heard it... <laughs> I know, but when it first came out, what was woke when it first came out? It was like people who know that the media is lying to them. Mm-hmm. They know that the government is actually just a front for a bunch of oligarchs that are running the system. Financially. They they know that the democratic, the illusion of democracy is just an illusion. That's not, it's like you, getting excited over an election whenever you, you see behind the curtain. sure. Yeah, right, right, Your right. local elections, sure. Senator? President, definitely not. Yeah, so that, where was I going with that? Um, I think the right, the, race. the right is not perpetuating racism because they don't think it's as big of an issue. And I think the left, if we were to just be super blasé, I would playing say to tropes. the left is, quote unquote, perpetuating racism. I don't think they're perpetuating racism. I think they're keeping our minds on racism. 
Yeah. Which can feel annoying if you feel like there's not a problem. If you feel like there's not a problem. My mom right. has this issue with me. I keep bringing up I keep bringing up that like we had issues. Hey mom, we should talk about our issues. And she is annoyed that I keep I'm Why are you living in the past, man? I, I'm causing to my mother's perspective, right. I'm causing strife in my in our relationship. Because I want to talk about the problems in the relationship. She thinks I'm... That perpetuates the problem. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no. The pr- <laughs> we need to talk about the problem. And then we won't have to talk about it anymore. Right. <laughs> like- <laughs> and that's what I mean by an official. Like having yeah. the federal government say, hey... And then it, we stop being cops. But I think that's what's working. That is a part of a uh, public relations between the powers that be and the public. Mm-hmm. Is that we are um, given... Um, Chew toys. And racism is one of the chew toys. It's a way to uh, ironically divide folk. So Deb Lynch on Twitch has yep. a good point. The yep. idea of calling it restitution is part of the problem. Mm. We're really now, it's more like, my bad, can we try again? Because we can't right. actually go back and fix it. Exactly. We can't, right. like, there are people alive whose siblings are dead beneath churches in the U.S., because of the programs that we ran on Native American families this oh. past century. Like, they're alive, but their siblings are dead beneath a church in the U.S. because of the programs that we were running against Native Americans. Like, that's very recent. We can't fix that. No. Deb's right. We absolutely cannot restitutionalize those dead Native American kids. The conversation should be had. We could have that conversation about what... How do we do the my bad? Can we do it again? How yeah. do we how do we do a do over? Yeah. How, how do we do, you do it better introduce now? Introduce the idea of a do over. I don't think that's on our radar. What would make this country more equitable now? I would think that if I ran a news organization, <laughs> and I said to like X million of people all night, "Hey, let's have a conversation about how to resolve some of the issues." Yeah. And um, like a solutions based conversation. Yeah, I think that. I would be interested in watching that. Mm. I don't know if I'm in the majority, but I would like I would like to think I am. That if somebody proposed cuz like the whole idea of it bleeds it leads division cells, fear is more compelling, it makes people stay on the page longer. Mm. If you have anything that's a little too um loving, not as dramatic. <laughs> so, yeah. That's what we need though. I think we need there are solutions to be had. But we're not even having conversations about the solutions because uh, these, the the irony of the woke left, and that's what woke was supposed. That's what I was going to is like woke was supposed to mean that you're aware of the fuckery going on, yeah, right. Yeah. But then woke became PC police, right, pretending that they're aware of the fuckery going on because it's the pre- prescribed fuckery that has been fed to them to uh, as an outrage to be perceptually destabilizing mm. to some other enemy. You know, this brings me back to what we were talking about with the Kyle Rittenhouse thing a couple of weeks ago. It is, is your information ecology. Um, <laughs> who are you going to let be your mama bird and puke news into your mouth? Because <laughs> you can't, so great. You like, can't do all the work. No, but... We but, do all the work, and that's all we do. We need grassroots. Yeah. We need, we need every single one of us that participates in this show and shows like these to insist upon only sharing data that we know is accurate on Facebook Yeah. to insist upon calling out our friends when our friends say things that are inaccurate. And I understand not everybody has it in their wheelhouse because you're just trying to like live your life and, and take care of your kids and virtue signal. Not everybody has that energy or that time. I get it. Virtue signal to get some likes. 
What? That's what, like, the, the memes about the medical stuff. Like, people are virtue signaling, like, just get a mask. Or, like, polio, you should also blah, blah, blah. When they do that stuff, that's a virtue signal for some sort of likes so that they know they're still accepted. And instead of sharing, what, like what you were saying, good data mm-hmm. that actually helps us understand the situation, people are sharing around these things for artificial... I think we can bring that grassroots into this conversation about racism, too. I yeah. think it would be amazing if the U.S. government stepped up and revitalized our institutional criminal punishment system so that it was an actual criminal justice system instead of a way for for-profit businesses to make money off of people being incarcerated as long as possible. It's fucked up. Same thing with the medical. Yeah, I think it would be really great if the country stepped up and said, look, our prison system was literally invented when people couldn't have slaves anymore. It was invented as an alternative to, to people because now we have all this free labor that can't vote. Like mm-hmm. it would be great if we change that, but I think grassroots just can be just as effective. Just like represent us is saying we need grassroots changes in our local elections so that we have elections that are more transparent and more productive and more, more citizen led. We can do that with our media and we can insist upon ourselves and our circles being um, healthy and accurate media nodes for each mm. other. Mm. And we can do that with racism. I think it would be great I would love to have a sit-down conversation with people that I know in my town and say, hey, um, like maybe give each person the floor. Some of this stuff kind of makes conservatives barf sometimes. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure why. I remember barfing at it when I was a young conservative. But there's this, there's this like – you want us all to get together and talk about our feelings with like candlelight and music, you know, like I, I, I get, I don't know where it comes from, but, 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 but I think we could do grassroots conversations where you seek to educate yourself about the history of your country and figure out how you can, at least you not be racist, at least me not be racist, at least me make sure that my friends who aren't white feel as though I've heard their story. I could just reach out to my friends who aren't white. Mm-hmm. I could just reach out to my friends who aren't white and say, hey, we've been friends a long time. And I am just now realizing that I was miseducated about how many Native Americans were living in this country when the European colonizers came over. I had no idea that there were millions of Indians living here that were murdered by white colonizers. So what do you do with that new information and how does that make you feel? Yeah. So I'm just finding this out. and. Right. And you're a Native American, and I've never asked you, like, what has your experience been growing up? Because I know it wasn't a white experience. It was mostly a white experience. I mean, I got some Choctaw and Cherokee, but when people look at me, they don't see me as Choctaw or Cherokee. Although, was, weirdly, the Choctaws do say, hey, are you Choctaw? And I don't know how they do that because they're short. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't know. talking to you because oh. you had a white upbringing. I was That's talking, what I was saying. I was talking to my hypothetical oh, okay. Native American hypo- friend. Okay. But looking at you while I was doing it. Yeah, sorry. Okay. I always forget that you're Native. I have a little bit. <laughs> Bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But like I could take the time to reach out over time and at least hear the personal one-on-one grassroots story of my friends and make sure that they know that I've heard them. Right. What story being feeling like you're being heard. This is the, the big lesson, like in any kind of relationship. Uh, if somebody just apologizes, but you don't feel like they understand the harm that was caused, yeah. the apology doesn't mean much. 
So right. in any kind of relationship, the first I think part of an apology is feeling heard where the other person can feel like you, they actually understand what they're apologizing for. Mm-hmm. Then the apology means something. And then there's room to like open up and mm-hmm. then maybe, well, and I don't, I don't think I have anything personally to apologize for racially. You don't. Right. Okay. Ainsley. Ainsley yeah. is not a racist. You didn't do stuff. I didn't do stuff to anyone right. racially. My parents did not do any racial stuff to people. Right. But I can make sure that I'm aware of what was done. Yeah. And that I'm not perpetuating stereotypes that are harmful. Right. Yes. So I think that, there's that idea. Yeah. Of, because uh, I understand that side of the story of like, I've never been mean to anybody. Yeah. But then also not understanding, it's kind of painful maybe to understand the difference in the experience that you and other people are having in the world. Some people love having white guilt and some people hate yes. having white guilt. Right, right, right. And that's kind of the line that we're looking at here. And I think that skews conservative and mm, generally and, conservative yeah, and liberal. It tends so to go that way. If you happen to be conservative and you happen to become aware of how many Native Americans were murdered to make room for European settlers, there's this defense mechanism that comes up of being offended I, and yeah. needing to say, but I did not murder native Americans. Right. You know, that's, that's this. And then other people are like, Oh my gosh, you're so sorry. I need to educate myself and read some books from native American voices and listen to some podcasts and, and make sure that when there's a native American in the room that I choose to say less so that native voices can be uplifted. You know, like it's two very different responses to that thing. Well, it's like when we, and that's a psychological personality difference and a cultural difference. And, and we have a lot to learn. <laughs> so when we had uh, Harold Cranberry on the show during the black lives matter stuff, and he's like, can, can I, can, can we I, just not talk about, can I not be a black guest? Can I just be a guest on the show? Yeah, yeah, we can yeah. do that too. Yeah, I, I was kind of like, what? Because I'd been so immersed in all of my leftist friends' anti-racism talk right. that I just assumed every black person would want to talk about anti-racism. That was the idea. And then we get Harold <laughs> on the show, and then it's like, we're talking about all this Black Lives Matter, uh, Matter stuff. And He's then, like, can we just interview me? Yeah, can I? Can we not do a black thing? Yeah. Like, like yeah, this yeah, so good point, thing. man. Yeah. <laughs> because it's about you being heard, yes. not about me getting my jollies off being anti-racist with a black person in the room. <laughs> yes. Let's bring this back to what it's actually supposed to be about. <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> hey, thank yeah. you so much to everybody who tuned in today. And if you want to support this kind of work, you can go to postorthodoxy.com. And there's a little button where you can do like a monthly subscription of even like $5. Yeah, and thank you so much to all of you that have subscribed so far. We really appreciate you. It really um, helps. Every little one is such a big encouragement. You don't oof, even know. Such a big encouragement. Thank you to all the new people that tuned in today and commented. It's always so much fun to have new voices in the room. And thank you to everybody that's going to be listening in the future. Yeah, that was fun. We'll see you next week. Uh, if you have stay, topics yeah. that you think that we should talk about. Communicate with us either on our page or send us private messages so you can remain incognito Yes, in your support of this uh, important social experiment. That, that is perfectly fine. We completely understand if you want to be incognito. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Make sure to share the video with some friends on your way out of the room. Thank you for visiting our Outpost in the Borderlands. Post-Orthodoxy is a project of Sevier Studios. We host ongoing, interactive conversations centered around cognitive liberty, and you can join in by catching one of our live streams on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. You can also catch each conversation after the fact as a podcast by searching for Post-Orthodoxy wherever podcasts are found. If you take value from the work we are doing and the community we're building together, you can support the Outpost in the Borderlands for as little as $5 a month on our website, Better Time. 
time. That's betterti.me. Visit the Sevier Studios page and subscribe. You can also support The Outpost by following and connecting with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, and or Substack. Our post-Orthodoxy theme music was composed by Frank Pascal, and a special thanks goes to our voice actors, Amelia, Colin, Zbo, Rosie, Gabo, Vicky, Mokai, and Tony. Thanks for playing. outside your reality bubble. I think I dribbled a bit that last one. <laughs> <laughs>